Welcome everyone. My name is Samantha and I am the host for today. Uh, thank you for tuning in to our new BHSC podcast initiative, Chiquili Named, So You Don't Want to Be a Doctor. Uh, the aim of this series is to shed light on career paths outside of medicine and be a resource to fellow BHSC students like you. And through this initiative, we hope to pique new interests, help break down the BHSC stereotype and provide uh, tangible advice to students who are thinking of exploring different post-undergrad pathways so for instance, pursuing graduate programs, taking a fifth year, entering the workforce, et cetera. Uh, with that said, let me introduce you to our guest today, Linda Newing. Uh, thank you so much for taking time out of your busy schedule uh, to have this conversation with us. Uh, how about we start off with a quick introduction? So tell me a little bit about yourself. Hi, Samantha. Thanks so much for inviting me. So a little bit about myself, I graduated from the BHSC program, Child Health Specialization in 2015. I was part of the first cohort of the Child Health Specialization. After graduating from BHSC, I went into do my master's in rehabilitation science at McMaster University and Canchild Center for Childhood Disability Research in I completed my master's in 2017. And then after that, and I'm currently um, doing my PhD in rehabilitation science and um, also at McMaster University. So I really continued on after my master's into my PhD. Mm -hmm. yeah. So you definitely took that academia route. And, uh, yeah. Yeah. So could you tell us more about like what your day-to-day -day life looks like? So in terms of school, but also your work. I think it really varies um, depending on the time of the year, the different semesters and where I'm at in the program. So when I first started, for example, with my master's, my big day-to-day, -day, especially in the first semester, is taking a lot of coursework. So mm -hmm. I had courses, usually they require in graduate school about one to three courses a semester. Um, three courses a semester can definitely be a lot. I know that sounds so different from undergraduate um, studies where you have a lot more courses, but with graduate studies, like you, your courses tend to be very intense. It's also over 13 weeks. It's about one class a week with some time outside of that to do your projects or your work. And taking the courses is supposed to really lead and provide that foundational work for to do your thesis. So a lot of the graduate courses are around methodologies. So like if you're doing qualitative studies or quantitative studies or how to design the study if you need to do statistics. Um, so both my first years of my master's and PhD program, I took coursework. Um, there are about three hours each week. And then outside of that, I would complete the different readings, the assignments. Um, they vary. Sometimes you have weekly assignments. Um, sometimes you have presentations. And usually there's a final paper to write. Um, and then right now towards the end of my, I'm actually um, finishing my last year of my PhD right now. So my day-to-day -day life is more uh, waking up, starting early, and then spending time writing my thesis. I really try to chunk out my day to make sure that I'm on task with writing my thesis, um, because just the whole term of a thesis can be so daunting and long and spending hours on that. But I try to section out with like, these are the tasks that I want to complete for the day. I would say that you can be as busy as you want. You can be as free as you want because you have that flexibility in graduate school. So throughout all my four years of my PhD, I've been working as both a teaching assistant as well as a research assistant. So that um, adds up to about 10 to 20 hours a week, depending on how um, the different positions I have. Yeah, but this semester, I'm really trying to wrap up my thesis. So that's really been the focus. But for the past four years, it's been juggling different tasks um, that I'm on. Oh yeah, 100%. 
because uh, you mentioned there is that, I guess, flexibility piece. So could you comment more about, I guess, finding work-life balance? Is it doable when you're pursuing a PhD? And also like the financial stability aspect too. Yeah, I would say the work-life balance is, for me anyway, I find I'm someone who takes on a lot of different tasks. I think that's always been something that's been my personality straight from undergrad, like doing a lot of extracurriculars, um, volunteering and undergraduate studies. Even I think I carry that kind of forward um, with being able to manage my time with graduate studies. But then as what I realized is that it's really important to almost like section your time out or be able to balance and make more time, at least in my case, more personal time to spend with family or especially now during COVID, like um, early on during COVID-19, I found with the lockdowns, I needed to make sure that I had time, like personal time for myself. It's not just spending time with my family, but also just like self-care. And so, especially with working from home these days, um, being able to almost put my work aside sometimes. So I usually try to put it aside like around five or 6 p.m., have dinner, or even just to go um, exercise. Like during the summer, I go bike riding a lot, for example, or go jogging. And I found there was a way to clear my mind well. And I would say that carried forward from habits, actually. Um, <laughs> I don't know if that really, <laughs> that course still runs, but back when I took habits in second year, I found like was taking, in second year, I was super busy with anatomy, for example, and um, all the different courses and group projects I needed some kind of ways to release my stress so I found going to the gym was really helpful physical activity I'm not a gym person never thought I would be um, when I was in elementary school I am very bad at athletics and all that but I found like it's uh, something that Harley actually told me was that the only competition that you have is with yourself so I found that that was the way that I started to get into physical activity but the gyms being closed or sometimes closed, sometimes open, I found like I just needed to carve my own time and go outside for fresh air. And that cleared my mind well for writing. So I think work-life balance is something that almost like I reflect on that about if I get too busy or I get too overwhelmed or start to get burned out, like I just don't find the motivation to work. Um, I find other ways to kind of um, channel my stress. So physical activity is one way I do that. Um, you also mentioned that financial piece, I believe. Yeah, um, I would say, I think that's always been like a concern of mine. For example, when I was in fourth year, I asked around, around um, scholarships, for example, for graduate studies and how I will be able to support myself in graduate studies. And I think, um, so with graduate studies, you can apply for OSAP um, as a loan, or you can also, you also get support through scholarships um, that you can apply for. So you can apply for that. There's different almost um, levels of scholarships. There's national ones, there's provincial ones. Um, you can also apply through your department. Um, each program's department has different rules and application process um, that comes out each year. Then if you're fortunate enough and you can work with your supervisor, they may also have some funding for you to provide as a stipend. Um, so that's for you for your um, kind of own expenses. So you still have to cover tuition, living, housing, um, those kinds of things. And then for me, I was fortunate enough to also have some TA ships. So I TA'd a couple of different courses when I was, um, when I did my undergraduate studies. Epidemiology was one of them um, for BHSC, as well as child health. Um, and then I also was a TA for the occupational therapy program. 
Um, I also had the opportunity to be a research assistant for one of the projects that my supervisor is leading. And that was something that I was really grateful for because that, that allowed me to learn more about research and what it takes to run a, such a large research program that he does and what's happening behind the scenes. Um, yeah, so there's, I would say that for financial stability, I mean, you won't make a ton of money. I'll say that up front, but I think it's definitely been something like I I'm not as worried about finances because I think over the years, you'll slowly start to build up opportunities and you can ask around and you can start applying to different positions. I would just say being able to manage, um, being able to juggle and balance um, the different work positions that you have with your schoolwork. I will also say for me anyway, I found that I took on work opportunities that I was interested in. So for example, my TA shifts, I did that because I was really interested in teaching. With my RA or research assistant position, I did that because I was interested in learning the research side and behind the scenes of how to run research projects. Um, so I would say really think about almost almost like twofold. So not only doing it for the money, which is great as an added bonus, but also think about your interests out of that and your passion. And for me, these work opportunities was a way to explore like TA ships, what kind of courses I was interested in teaching or like RA, am I really interested in research? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Thank you. That was really good advice for yeah, both the self-care, yeah. but also yeah, the financial yeah, in terms of financial, I also apply to scholarships. I mean, I tell my graduate friends, it's really tough, I would say, with applications for scholarships. Um, but every year that I apply, um, I was fortunate enough that this past year I received a national scholarship. Um, mm -hmm. And then I received a couple of other grants, for example, travel grants to go to conferences um, that were in person. Of course, they got canceled. But I mean, it was there at the time. Right. So but every year that I applied for a scholarship, it was nice in the sense that I was able to improve on my applications. I would say that I applied maybe four or five times every year, um, like each year, so in total, um, since I started my graduate studies. And every year it was kind of disheartening not getting those scholarships, but I tried every year and my supervisor um, was really supportive. Um, and he was always just, um, in a way that he was always very kind and grateful and just, um, motivated me to apply each year. So I would say that your application gets stronger too. So I would say maybe that's um, the great thing that I appreciate with graduate schools is, is long-term, which can be a downside, but at the same time, you really build up your writing skills. Right. Yeah. 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 But it seems there's a lot of like, yeah, applying for grants, a lot of yeah, scholarships, a lot of writing pieces yeah. when you pursue this path. Yeah. But it's definitely worth it at the end of the day, if it's like what you're interested in. Yeah, just being passionate too. Um, I would say that it's challenging whenever someone always asks me, like, how I decided on doing my master's or my PhD, you're in for the long haul. So really think about if, if there's a topic that you're truly passionate about, because I think at the end of the day, that's what keeps me going. You're going to get bumps and challenges along the way. You're going to get rejections, for example, or maybe you're um, doing a study, you're not getting enough participants recruited. And those things are kind of disheartening or not as motivating. But then I think about the work that I do and I've had people come up to me, um, both participants and also members of the research team, um, other families, youth who my project is focused on um, youth with disabilities and their siblings, they come up to me and say that what I'm doing is really meaningful and important to them. And I think that's what keeps me going. Like if there's even one person who says that to me, um, then I want to make sure that my work can really make a difference in people's lives. Uh, yeah. 
And so on that note, like, um, what are your future plans? Do you know, like after your PhD, do you know what you want to do? Like become a full-time prof, teach, research? Like, yeah, what is it? Yeah. So after I'll be graduating from my PhD this year, afterwards, I'll be doing a postdoctoral fellowship um, for a couple of years. So what that means is you get further training um, to do research, but you're not in courses. So it's not a program, but you're still kind of almost, you can say, researcher in training. Um, and that's where you know, what I've heard from others and I also seek advice from others is that's really your chance to be independent, to run different projects, but that you're not confined in the sense that you have to do coursework. You can just focus on the projects that you're interested in. And so that's what I'll be doing. And my long-term plan, um, of course, during my postdoc, I'll be exploring different research. I hope to teach. And that's what I hope to do in the future is a full-time professor while teaching. Um, this year, I'm supervising a couple of undergraduate students, including yourself, Samantha. Um, it's one of my first time really supervising students or co-supervising students with my supervisor. Um, so that's where I get a chance to learn from my supervisor about how to co-supervise students on thesis projects. I've had experience teaching um, in the sense of THS, but not so much on this direct um, co-supervision. So that's great. And then so I've thought a lot about my future plans if academia is where I want to go into because I know that it's really competitive it's hard to get a position at university for example but for me what I realized is that every day I wake up in the morning and I love doing research I love writing I'm really passionate about um, reading papers writing papers doing projects um, I love the community at McMaster um, both with working with the research teams the students who I work with and so I really enjoy doing that and so I think that's where why I really want to go into academia as a full-time professor and that gives me that flexibility to um, teach to do research and yeah that's um I really like this environment I know there's other different pathways as well and I've thought about those but I think for now that's kind of my um, long-term plan is academia yeah thanks for sharing and I'm curious what are the other options that you yeah I'm curious to know yeah so what I've seen from other friends for example is they work at different um, non-profit organizations they work at childhood disability research networks some go into industry for example or pharmaceutical companies I think it's thinking about the skills that you gain as a PhD student um, they're transferable skills so for example as a PhD you have your um, required and are supposed to build expertise in that area so for example if um, you learn about different methodologies you can provide almost consultation services to people or for me for example I've started to learn about how to co-create knowledge translation products like infographics videos and those are skills that you can go work at a company as a designers of those skills for example um, you can also work at different organizations and help to organize their grants, for example, or their different projects. Um, so because as a PhD student, you're required to manage those different projects so you can build those skills. And those things are ones that I've also 
um, kind of ask other people about, about their experience with that. Like if you're not tied to, let's say, creating your own research program and running your own research projects, um, those other jobs also provide you with flexibility, like almost um, some more work-life balance, for example. I know with research, when you're running your own projects, you're always kind of thinking about your projects at, during even your off hours. So you might not have as much of that personal time as you would with having other jobs. And those other jobs are just as fulfilling. For example, if you were to work at different research networks, you're still contributing in research and um, helping to develop and implement and apply those research findings back to the community. Yeah. Makes sense. And just to clarify, I think the term industry, I only heard a couple of times, like, could you clarify yeah. what that means exactly? Does it mean like working in a business or... Yeah, so you can work with industry. Again, I'm not as familiar with um, what industry jobs entail, but what I've heard and also what I read about is working at companies, for example, and offering um, your expertise and kind of management on the industry side. So whether it's pharmaceutical companies, like if you had your PhD and other almost um, topics, you can work at um, industry and provide kind of your consultations on those or advice. Actually, yeah, because do you know anyone that kind of went down that path? Because I think we had questions from our Google form that we sent mm. out to um, yeah, our peers. And I think one of the questions was how to get into industry. Like, how do you, what is the pathway for that? So yeah, if you know anyone, like, feel free to send it, like, the name. For sure. Yeah, I would definitely send the name. And it doesn't come to me right away. I think someone that uh, master either my tags. Um, might be able to offer um, some sessions on that about yeah. what those industry jobs might look like. Thank yeah. you. Yeah, that would be super, super helpful. Yeah. Yeah. I, I also know other jobs. Yeah. I wouldn't know anyone personally myself um, mm -hmm. that has worked in the streets. It's more of what I've heard. And I think the rehabilitation science program also ran a session about um, kind of um, introduction sessions as a gateway to those industry jobs. Yeah. So maybe, um, yeah, I'll search up the name again of the group that runs it. Yeah. That'll be super helpful. Yeah. Thank yeah. you so much. Yeah, no problem. Yeah. I guess going back now, and if, okay, I guess, yeah, if you were to think back to, again, your fourth year of BHSC, um, why, I guess, yeah, what other paths were you considering and how did you decide yeah. to choose this path in particular? Yeah. So back in my fourth year, I was, um, so back and forth there, I was doing the child health specialization. So I kind of had an interest in child health. Again, I guess as a side is, I never thought that I would go into the child health specialization. It was the first cohort. I knew nothing about it, but then kind of on the, yeah. And then on the last day of the application, I remember I was talking to my parents. I wasn't sure if I should specialize or I should do the wild stream, I believe is what it's called these days and have that flexibility. As you can tell, flexibility is something I really appreciate in my own life. So then my mom um, actually said, why don't you just um, apply anyway? I submit an application and then if you decide you don't want to that's fine I submitted and then after I did my first year of the specialization um, I remember entering into it I thought if I don't like it um, 
I don't have to continue. I can always stop at any time, but I end up loving um, the specialization. So I continued on. And then in around my third or fourth year, we were required to, in your third year, you're required to do um, a placement. So I did my placement, but I was also interested in seeing my friends do their research project courses in third year. So I also did that. It was actually in the on the topic of um, heart failure and technology and using apps um, to help manage heart failure. So I became interested in research. And then in my fourth year, actually most of my courses in my fourth year were project courses because I knew I was interested in research, but I wasn't sure what kind of topic I was interested in for research. Like I wasn't sure if I wanted to continue with childhood disability research. So I did a couple of different projects um, in my fourth year, both primary data collection. So um, collecting information from patients in the clinic and then also um, doing literature reviews and searches on other um, different research topics. And the um, in my fourth year, deciding that I want to pursue research and see if that's something that I want to do as my career. So I approached one of my co-supervisors in my fourth year, and Dr. Jan Willem Horder, who is now my supervisor, um, to ask that I want to do my master's with him. It was um, kind of funny because then in my at the end of my fourth year, I applied to actually a couple of different master's programs. Um, I applied to six for them were public health programs all across Ontario, as well as health research methodology um, and rehabilitation science. At the time, I thought I really wanted a health research methodology. Like I knew a lot of people who in BHC who went into it. Um, I thought that was something I would be interested in. And then at the last minute, I was looking at the different course outlines of the program, and I realized I kind of liked the courses of the descriptions for rehabilitation science. Like it felt a little bit more holistic. It was looking at health and wellness of um, patients and families. And I thought it might kind of be more something I was interested in. And so kind of at the last minute, and I asked for advice for some of the facilitators in BHC, and I ended up picking rehabilitation science. Also because um, Dr. Horder is listed under rehabilitation science and not health research methodology. And I realized that I wanted to work on his projects um, that were more interested with, um, interesting to me. And I realized then that it's not so much um, the program or the name of the program, it's more what you make of the program. Um, so I ended up picking rehabilitation science because I also really wanted to work with them and I was interested in the courses. And I did tell him that I was kind of more exploring research at the time. I wasn't sure that was something I wanted to go in as my career. Other programs that I was interested in um, were also health professional programs. So I think that's what I always thought I would do is because I want to work afterwards and kind of keeping in mind like this whole graduate studies and the journey of it was just also vague foreign and new to me and so health professional program just very seemed stable um, something that was very clear-cut you follow this linear pathway you go into the program you have a job afterwards so health professional programs that I was interested in were things like um, medicine and occupational therapy um, I did think I would do that after my master's but then I went to my master's and within two months of the program, I had a couple of people, um, faculty members and my program dean ask if I would consider transferring to the PhD program. And at the time, what that means is you um, finish your first year of the master's program and you transfer to the PhD program. So you end up kind of saving a year. 
but I end up not because I think I just need time to slow down and just really see what masters was like. And I wasn't as almost I asked my friends and say, you're still unsure about research, maybe finishing your master's is good. So then you kind of have a clear stop to your program and then continue with a PhD if you decide to do that. Um, so I decided that I would finish my master's and then um, kind of decide on my next steps. But I ended up really loving my research. And actually something that my friends and my peers in the program said, because I used to stay up to 2 or 3 a.m. reading research papers. And like I was very almost like intense about my research papers for the courses. Like I loved finding out almost everything that I could, the research question, what were the different instruments or the surveys or questionnaires you ask patients, what was the best one, what were the strengths the limitations of each one and my friend said I think it's more than your course marks that you're worried about I think it's more like are you sure you're interested in and they actually inquired me they said do you think that you might like research more than you think you do and yeah I reflected and I thought I really do um, I really enjoyed the courses like I know people said they're stressed out about it but I really love going to class um, and learning about like learning from the expertise of all the faculty members Mm -hmm. So, yeah, within about a year of my master's, I really wanted to apply for the PhD, but I, it was very specific. I wanted to do it in childhood disability research. So when I applied for my PhD, I didn't apply anywhere else. I knew I wanted to do it. I can't child. That makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks for sharing. It's, I'm so glad that you found yeah, your passion as you <laughs> took the opportunity to do your master's, right? And you explored research and that led you to where you are now. Um, yeah. Yeah, I think the, I guess if we were to do a more of a story, I'd say it's like kind of take all opportunities like that you are presented with and explore and see. Yeah. You never know and what that, you end up with, right? So. Yeah, I mean, I was just telling my niece earlier, oh, I have this podcast I'm doing with you today <laughs> um, about kind of like post-BGC life. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. She's in undergraduate studies now. So, and then she said, oh, what would you tell your fourth year self? Because I guess that question always comes up. And like you said, mm -hmm. actually, that would be my fourth year self is take on all opportunities. And sometimes the best thing that happens is what you least expect. Um, because I never expected all of these kind of opportunities to come up. Um, and some things just kind of found in place. It's not like I came into first year BHSC and said, oh, I'm going to do my PhD. <laughs> I, I didn't know what a PhD was. Like, I didn't know any of these steps. And then even now, like, um, at the end of my PhD, like, I hope to do my postdoctoral fellowship. But I'm open-minded to what the steps will be like, because I don't really know where things might end up. Um, I just want to be open-minded, experience, and kind of expose myself. Myself. And for me, I think communication is really key. Um, I didn't realize how big that was, but sometimes what's going on in my mind isn't something that others on um, my research team knows I'm doing. So I think being clear upfront and exploring. And I found that ever since I did that with my supervisor, like communicating to him about some thoughts that I have, just talking about my um, thoughts about career plans, what I'm brainstorming, what I'm interested in. And people around you can help too, because they're well connected. And I didn't realize how resourceful people are until later on in my graduate studies and even now I still keep in touch with facilitators from BHSC um, as updates and even just like sharing some of my plans and um, what I've been up to yeah I guess, could I ask like who do you still contact is it Margaret 
I don't know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, a couple of different people. Well, I'm so involved with um, the childhood specialization. Mm-hmm. I think that will always be near and dear to my heart. Um, so I still mentor students in the program, um, even though I no longer have the formal role with TA. So yeah, I'm probably all the facilitators um, in the childhood specialization, like Margaret, um, Studio, who I also keep in touch with, Mike Wong, um, Josh Koenig, um, Alessia Greco, Mark Lee. Yeah, so a lot of the team is there, yeah. Sure, the listeners will know who some of them are. Like, we're all so connected. <laughs> I don't think they know that I'm doing this. Well, I think I just like chatting about my life. I don't mind. Yeah. 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 Awesome. Yeah, it's been quite the interesting journey. I think sometimes um, my supervisor, Dr. Gorder, also says I should share my story in my presentation because I kind of have like a whole story of how things end up. It's not like we ever had a plan for how things end up this way. Yeah. Yeah, and I think it's a great mindset to have that, like you said, being open-minded to, yeah, opportunities and where things can yeah. be. That. Yeah, like the project I worked, I worked with him for my RA position, it started, yeah, it's been almost five years on the project. And when I started, it was supposed to be a one-year contract with him, um, just while he was getting the project started. And then when I ended up on the project as an RA, um, I loved it. I loved the behind-the-scenes work. And a lot of the behind-the-scenes was like, how do you even take meeting minutes, organize meetings? Or even for me, I think I found my niche, which he encouraged me to do. He said I was more than just an RA like it's not just inputting data for example or organization but kind of find what I'm interested in on the project it was actually for the first time ever one of my first tasks was to create a video which I've never done in my life so that was a very hard task to ask <laughs> and then afterwards I ended up creating all the videos on the project so yeah. on the project website so yeah and then I didn't realize how much I enjoyed it so we'll see what I do afterwards. Right now, I mean, I'm focused on writing my thesis, but I really want to learn more about um, creating videos and doing a lot of the design work. I think that brings out the creativity of me. I realize I think I value the flexibility, but also opportunities that allow me to be creative. Mm -hmm. I think research allows me to be creative. Um, Even like creative with how to design research projects. It's not just the reviews which I do enjoy doing because you get to kind of read up on the background of a topic but Mm -hmm. even just like how do you be creative with designing your study or how do you answer research questions Mm -hmm. yeah Yeah, 100% yeah that's uh, that's awesome Um, I guess shifting gears just a little tad um, I'm just wondering because you said you went to the rehabilitation sciences master's program and then pursued a PhD in the same uh, department I guess, is there any like stereotypes that you know of about uh, people who are pursuing that and are they true? So anything to debunk here? Um, In terms of, yeah, I wouldn't say so much a stereotype, but I think a lot of people have, I don't know of a lot of people, but like kind of what graduate students do in their time. Right? Mm-hmm. And you seem like you have all this time, but you really don't. It's almost like you decide on how much, how busy you want to be and you get to decide your schedule. Um, and I think uh, maybe my family had this stereotype, but ever since the lockdown and working from home, I've been living, living with them. And I don't think they realize how busy I can get. You have a lot of meetings and coordination and emails and people to um, respond to and tasks to do and to kind of keep on top of the project management side. Um, so I think that is really make the most of opportunities and what you're interested in um, during graduate studies. So it's more like a misconception, like people don't know what goes behind 
really of a graduate student, like all the yeah, nitty gritty tasks that you were describing. Um, yeah, and those things have time, like even something like emails, if you have to respond to 20 or 30, 30 of them, it takes like maybe an hour to, to respond to it. <laughs> and you can be busy. I mean, also, yeah, just like not only your own thesis project, um, it takes time to write. And then if you're doing RA or TA, that also takes time. And I think for me, it's also I'm dedicated to, and committed to completing the task in a good way and also um, supervising students. And I think for me, I... Um, of course, I always respond. And I think I put myself in the student's shoes, right? Like I think when I was a student, I want to be able to work with students. And for me, it's also, I learn a lot from like you and other students um, who I co-supervise. Well, thank you. Your, your effort is appreciated. <laughs> does not go unnoticed. Yeah. <laughs> um, I have some quick uh, direct question though about the misconception piece. Um, do you think that impacts like your relationship with others just because there might be that misconception or if you don't communicate, hey, I'm actually super, super busy. Like, do you think yeah. there's an impact there? Yeah, I think so. I think it's also that reputation of who you are. And I think this year, um, I've had people say they, when they asked me to complete a task, for example, to be a part of a research team, I would have jumped right away in previous years. But I think this year I had to scale back um, in the sense like I was already on so many different projects and I want to be committed to those. And I had to think about like, um, what's my role on the project? Like, is something new that I'm learning? Is it something I'm interested in? Um, and if it was a project that maybe I already did in the past, I would respond back to them and say, I appreciate it. Um, just I can do more maybe consulting, for example, or I can't be like a core member of the team or like a co-author or co-investigator, um, but rather I can almost say provide some consultation or I can meet like one-off meetings um, or I would just say like straight off the bat, like um, just not right now. Uh, part of that is I really want to wrap up more projects this year. I think it took a long time for me, um, of course, with guidance from my supervisor is how to say no. Um, and it's really hard for me to say that, but I think um, just, again, clear communication. I just like have a lot of projects this year. It's not that I'm not interested. Um, maybe in a few months, I'll be like um, more free and I can commit more. Or maybe in the next stage, I think what I realized is projects have so many different stages. Um, some of them can continue on for years. So maybe just not this year, maybe like next year um, at a different phase of the project. Yeah. That makes sense. I think that's a good piece of advice. Like, yeah, learning how to say no, what, no when you're, yeah, can't take on too much or you, that you can't overwhelm yourself, right? You only have so much time and you can't spread yourself out so thin. Uh, exactly. Yeah. And I guess I didn't want to end up in the same position that I once did back um, in fourth year when I was on too many extracurriculars. And one night I remember feeling just very overwhelmed with all the thesis projects that I had, um, the coursework that I had to do and the extracurriculars. Um, I remember actually it was for an extracurricular activity where um, it was to put on a Mac one act show. Actually, I'm not sure if it's still running, but it was kind of a one-act play that I was a part of. I remember backing out with a few weeks until the show. And then my friend, when I messaged my friend and told her that, she said, how can I help you to make sure you like don't feel overwhelmed? Are there too many meetings? Maybe you want to rehearse your lines or do you want like less lines, for example, so you don't have to memorize the lines as much. And I realized that, oh, now actually as I talk with you now, looking back, I wish I had just been more clear about how overwhelmed things were. Um, and maybe it, set and my boundaries, boundaries. Yeah. yeah 
And even now today, I still set some boundaries. Like I don't respond to emails after 5 or 6 p.m. Or I try not to. It's the same when I send emails to other people. I also usually, if I can wait, I'll wait until the next morning. Um, almost like during regular office times. Um, I usually try, like I don't meet on the weekends. Um, because even though I know we're working from home, it's important to kind of set those boundaries, at least for me. And I realized kind of going back to the family time and also self-care time like I just need my personal time um, because I need that time to recuperate and that's only the way I can come back to a task and be refreshed to do it mm-hmm. yeah, yeah no, thank you that's uh, advice that I think a lot of uh, speech students can resonate with and can yeah relate to because we're also I mean for the most part I'm assuming here but a lot of people are so overwhelmed with so many things so knowing how to yeah, set those boundaries and self-care is yeah and I think with graduate students it's just yes we do have time but I think recognizing how much you can put on your plate and what I've learned is that um, you'll always have those opportunities opportunities will naturally come when I first started my master's I remember sitting down one time with my friend saying oh I wish I could write more papers we are more research projects I see other people doing it so well I think maybe that's also a misconception um, is where kind of um, there's probably a term for this but also you often see other people doing well, imposter syndrome, You and where you kind of have to pretend that you're also doing as well as other people, or you feel other people are doing well, and you wish you want to do as well as them. So I think that's where I enjoy these chats, um, because I think we don't often share um, what our own kind of rejections and maybe sometimes um, failures at some points in our life or mistakes that we make. And I know, I mean, I probably don't help in the matter because people also look at me. I remember, I think last year, people said, you're getting all these scholarships and these papers being published. Um, how do you do it all so well? And I would tell them, I said, that paper actually got rejected from a different journal and I had to resubmit it to another journal. And then when you submit to journals, you get a peer review process. And so one time I peer reviewed, um, the comments were so long, like I felt overwhelmed addressing all those comments. I mean, on the surface, it looks great. You have your name on the paper, you're doing well. And I also tell people those scholarship applications, it took a long time for it to take the shape that I did. Yeah. And that's it. Sometimes I even apply with maybe like a couple of weeks until the deadline. It's not like a plan way ahead of time. Sometimes opportunities just come up. Yeah. Yeah, again, we don't, we don't see all the behind the scenes work that goes towards, like that, that led to the successes. Like there's always hardships and blood, sweat and tears behind those. Uh, yeah, exactly, right? Like now I'm wrapping up my studies and I said data collection took a long time, especially during COVID, which I completely understand that people are overwhelmed, they're busy, there's different commitments. And so people are like, oh, you're done data collection? Like, that's amazing. And so, yeah, it took like a year behind the scenes to get <laughs> okay. to this point. <laughs> yeah. That makes sense. Um, also just shifting gears and being mindful of the time um, mm-hmm. I guess I'm just curious like what was the application process like uh, for the yeah. master's program and also how competitive was it and if you have any tips to stand out um, mm-hmm. so with the master's in rehabilitation science program which might be similar to other graduate programs is you submit a transcript they look at the last two years of a full course load and then they put, um, at least in the program that I'm in, they put emphasis on the research methodology courses. So I would imagine, like, for example, in BHSC, you have critical appraisal, epidemiology and statistics, as well as any thesis courses. You also have reference letters. So I had those. Um, and then 
So one advice is to make sure you have those reference letters that are submitted on time. Different schools and programs have different deadlines for those. And then also you have your letter, um, statement letter of interest. Um, so they're usually about a page or two long. Some of them have maximum word counts. Um, so just double checking that. And then in my advice is in the statement letter of interest, it's really talk about like, um, I usually split a half and a half. So almost at the beginning, a little bit talking about yourself, your experience, um, why you're interested in research, for example, any personal experiences you've had. So for example, like for me, I was interested in childhood disability research. Um, I was in the childhood specialization, thinking about the skills that you build up. I know undergraduate um, programs as students, you probably don't have as much experience experience with almost formal research positions but I always tell students like that's perfectly fine you have like so many other um, skill sets that you bring in like from stats from epidemiology from critical appraisal like it's more than just naming the courses but think about the assignments that you had to do um, that you had to critically appraise an article like how many other programs actually do that or you did your thesis project like maybe it might not be the same topic but I'm would imagine you're doing like literature reviews, for example. Um, so talk about those skill sets that you bring in and then towards kind of the latter half of the statement um, letter of interest is talk about like kind of what are your goals or your motivations? Like what do you hope to achieve with the program? Like what do you hope to do after? Maybe you do want to go into be a healthcare professional like medicine or occupational therapy, but how can research really build on your strength? Mm -hmm. And then um, talk about like if you were in the program, what do you hope to learn or gain out of it? Like, is it more research or is it like um, is it specifically about the topic of area that you want to look at? Yeah. So I think sometimes being honest in those um, letters um, is great. You can talk about like what you hope to achieve after completing the program. Mm -hmm. yeah. Really good tangible advice for writing. Yeah, even for myself, I'm thinking, oh, I could. Yeah, I should probably frame it that way for my uh, personal statements. So. Yeah, I know often a lot of people say like, oh, I don't have like a formal research position or like during the summers, which is totally fine. Um, you can talk about the other things that kind of almost like in a way shaped your story of how it got to where you are. And even if you don't know what you want to do after, you can almost be honest that you want to explore what research is about and maybe potentially pursue a career in research. Yeah. yeah. I guess the other question the, um, about if BHSC yeah, prepared us, I guess you mentioned, yeah, it did, right? The, the courses that we take, uh, even habits yeah. to help with self-care. I guess, is there anything that BHSC didn't prepare you well for, uh, if, if, if any? Um, I wouldn't say it didn't prepare me as well. I would say it prepared me really well across mm -hmm. all the courses. Um, yeah, I think for me, it's just really, again, um, looking at kind of, for me, that I've always learned is that work-life balance. So be able to manage my time more. Um, I would say what BHSC definitely is that most people might not think of is inquiry and the uncertainty. Um, of course, we're all living in a time of uncertainty now, mm -hmm. but I think with research, some things can be very uncertain and you just never know how things will play out. And I think re um, research in a way that coming out of BHSC helped me to almost um, create the program that I wanted to be. 
I think I remember one of my first courses in my master's that we got no rubrics. Um, our instruction was maybe like one or two sentences, like write a research proposal. I remember my entire class uh, for my master's just said, what are we supposed to do? What's the guidelines and the rubrics? And coming out of BHC, I think I was more used to not having this, like instructions like that. Um, so what I actually took away from BHC was forming a community. So I said, why don't we like form a study group? So after class, we had like a small study group. Um, everyone's invited to join if they wanted. And I remember like, let's brainstorm, let's work together um, on kind of like deciding on how we want to write this research proposal. Of course, everyone has to write their own individual proposals, but like maybe we can have like some kind of structure together um, or just like ask questions with each other. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, so overall though, BHSC prepared us well or yeah, in terms of going. Yeah, I would say it definitely did. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Maybe not so much the tangible side of research, but I think for everyone entering into research, you're all learning anyway. Still, yeah. Yeah. 100%. yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, you might have touched on this before actually, but I'm just curious, um, I guess what would your biggest advice be for yeah, current fourth years like myself? Like so if you were again, if you knew what you know then or what would you say to your fourth yourself? Mm-hmm. Um, just really be open-minded um, things will turn out okay in the end because sometimes the things that you least suspect are kind of the best things that ever happen and as I was kind of um, going into this session with you I was thinking about that like I never planned for the way my career went but looking back if I can change anything I would say I wouldn't change anything at all because everything all the challenges that I've faced up until now it really built me to who I am today and the career or career that I'm still currently building. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think in when I was in BJC, um, from first year all the way until fourth year, I always felt like I needed to have a plan in place. Um, and uncertainty, especially in fourth year, was really hard for me. But I realized afterwards I and even then at the time, I was still trying to enjoy my years, um, not stress out too much, whether it was like interviews or applying to professional schools. But I think, yeah, um, things turned out the way that I wanted. And that's not to say like not working hard or things like that. But I think that sometimes things fall into place when you least suspect it. Um, and I think that's something I learned from my grad peers um, too, because I even in my first year of my master's, like I felt really stressed. I felt like I needed to publish more. I need to apply for grants, scholarships. I need to be working all the time. Um, but sometimes things just take time. Yeah. Yeah, that's great advice. Yeah, definitely resonates with myself and probably other peers who are listening. Um, is there any other final thoughts or things you would like to add? Or even maybe if you want to share your contact information, if they if want to reach out to you, if that's okay, up to you. So. Yeah, yeah, I'm happy to chat anytime um, if students have, um, if anyone has any questions. So you can also put my email. Um, so it's nguye 7 at mcmaster.ca. And I'm happy to chat with people. Yeah, just really enjoy BHSC. I think it's a really unique program. Um, and it really builds you well for different careers afterwards. I'm so grateful I had the chance to be a part of the program. And the community never ends. I mean, I'm still a part of the community. I think that was always been my fear in a way after graduating from programs. It's almost leaving a community. But I find like over the years, I've just, my community has just more grown. Like, as I said, I'm part of the child health specialization community, for example. And I'm about to graduate from my PhD. Um, and I'm still part of like that Cantrell family and the community. So I think my community just continues to grow and I want to be able to be a part of that. Mm-hmm. Thank you for sharing. Well said. Yeah. 
And again, and that brings us to basically the end of this podcast. Uh, thank you so much, Linda, uh, for sharing your experiences and your expertise with us today. Um, yeah, and I'll just say to the audience, stay tuned for more uh, next week. All right. Thank you so much, Samantha. Thanks for joining us today and a huge shout out to our guest speakers for sharing their story as well as the fourth year council interviewers who made this possible. If you enjoyed this episode, stay tuned for more in this series coming out every Friday of the week for the remainder of winter 2022. Until next time, stay safe and take care.